Welcome to A Photographer's Life. The channel that takes you behind the curtain into the world of professional architectural photography. Join us now for an episode with some of America's premier architectural photographers. Today's broadcast comes from a recent Zoom meeting of the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This discussion is led by AIAP Director Alan Blakely. We hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. Now, on with the show. I think we're going to get started here with this meeting and uh, I wanted to talk about drone photography and how it affects our business and how we add it to our business and some of the challenges that you might encounter. And uh, just to start out, is everyone here using a drone or do you personally fly a drone? Okay. Um, I was hoping to have some jump in that that uh, that aren't and just see why that is but um at the outset how was the certification process for everybody was that uh, a challenge or not so much or I, I found it time consuming uh i i approached it casually at first and then i realized it was just too much information to do that way and so i decided i had to you know dedicate I don't know what it was, three evenings a week or something like that, two evenings a week, just as if it was a class I was, you know, going to and work it through that way. Um, and it took, I mean, I, I never kept track of my hours, but I felt like it was the equivalent of a college course, you know, a couple hours twice a week in, in you know, in class, so to speak. And then because uh, I did an online class and then studying time. Um, but there are other people that that I know of that, you know, go to one of these drone academy weekends at a hotel. and in two days, they got a license. So, uh, and I'm not, I'm not, um, I mean, fine. I'm, I'm all, I'm all for that. Uh, I just, I found it to be, you know, you got to take it seriously and you got to study. And I had to recertify in February and I, you know, got all my notes back out again and refreshed a, a bunch of stuff. And that was certainly quicker. Uh, I found it interesting. I got a 93 the first time around. I got a 93 the second time around. So there's 7% of this that just doesn't fit my brain. <laughs> But I don't know what. How did you guys get yours? Did you study for it? Did you do a crash course? No pun intended. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I did an online uh, tutorial kind of thing. Yeah, that's um, how I did mine. I mean, I had flight school years and years ago, um, and so that helped a little bit as far as sectional maps and stuff like that. But there was still a lot of specifics with regard to flying drones that I had to learn and uh, and understand. <laughs> my concern about some of these weekend courses that you see advertised the hotels is they they teach you learn the answers that are going to come up, but you you don't really learn the concepts behind um, the answers. It, it, yeah, it's it's a lot of uh, you know really fast crash crash memorization of of different kinds of things that are likely going to be on the test, and um, maybe it's not as useful in the long term as oh. through a more tedious process like you talked about, Chris. And at least for me, I think I, I learned a whole lot more by going through the process and yeah. not just learning the answers. Yeah. Did, did anybody here hang out of helicopters prior to draw? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I still have a harness. <laughs> I don't miss that. Um, do, do any of you, still have use of you know i mean do you have a need for a helicopter platform to shoot anything or is that gone away no, nobody will pay for it anymore yeah yeah 
So the, the DC market is uh, unique in that it's all sealed airspace. Yeah. Sure. And so honestly, flying, I, I can get into this in greater detail, um, but flying a drone here is very difficult. And there was one guy who was the helicopter pilot for this area. I mean, there were more than one, but he happened to be in the one in Northern Virginia where I am. And he's in the process of trying to sell his tire. But I do remember having a job, that, you know, pricing a job that needed a helicopter to fly in the sealed airspace right, right over downtown D.C. Mm. And I got in touch with him and talked to him about it. And, you know, he had all the authorizations and clearances to do that. But yeah. what I found interesting was that you had to hire a U.S. Marshal to fly with you. And the U.S. Marshal's entire job was to shoot you if you did something wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were hanging out of that helicopter and you suddenly pulled, you know, pulled something out of your camera bag that shouldn't be there, his job was to shoot you. And he was a line <laughs> item in the budget. U.S. Marshal to shoot me. Um so I thought that was pretty funny. Oh, what did that cost? I just oh, I don't remember, but it was pretty expensive. I mean, that you know, you don't yeah, pay for the bullet too. I think <laughs> the job never happened. But the fact is, if you in certain parts of the sealed airspace in DC, you can't get a drone in there no matter what. But if but yeah. there are helicopter pilots that are certified to fly in the airspace yeah, as long we, as you bring the marshal with you. So uh, we just did a, I've not run into anything that complicated but i have run into some situations where like you mentioned there's just no way you can put a drone up there legally yeah, yeah. <laughs> um and so it, still it seems like the the only alternative is to find somebody with a you know an r44 or heaven forbid an r22 have to go up in and and that seems to be the cheapest route uh, maybe from a flight school or something but uh the days of Running a um, a bell jet, those are gone. I'm afraid. <laughs> can you guys hear me now? We can. Yeah. Well, there you okay. go. Well, well, that's good to see. Yes, it's perfect. <laughs> Welcome back. Yeah. Thank you. Back. Um, just kind of going back to when you first started using a drone. About how long? I'm just wondering. Uh, have each of you been offering drone um, aerials? Uh, as part of your business has it been a while now or uh, it's recently yeah norm yeah for me it's just been uh um in 2016 or 17 we had a client that they just needed some not for um just to see the top of a building because they were build, bidding on something so they hired us and i didn't have a drone at the time or it wasn't certified so i i hired a drone pilot and mm -hmm. with you know and and he got the shots that i wanted and it it was so, uh, the guy was so excited about the quality of them that we started offering it. So it, it's been, uh, for us, it's only been, you know, three, four years. Okay. Yeah. Three years. Part of that is the helicopter thing. So. Mm. Well, and, I, I got a, I, I got a Phantom 4 about five years ago. Okay. But I didn't actually get certified until about a year ago. So I didn't really offer it. If I could fly it, sometimes I would. But uh, it wasn't until uh, I got this little thing, and I don't know if you guys are familiar with this thing, the Air 2S. Mm -hmm. This thing's a game changer, man. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but the quality is extraordinary. It fits in your bag, the size of a lens. And uh, it's allowed me to do a lot of stuff with not much fanfare that I couldn't do before. 
Is it because it's so much quieter and smaller, you think? that uh, It's not a lot quieter, but it's okay. definitely smaller. Yeah. Uh, so it's very portable. Uh, and the quality is just amazing. I mean, it's better than the Phantom. It also has better communications capabilities. So you're... You, you know, the, the signal isn't like going in and out. You're not. I was always afraid that the Phantom would take off on its own, which it never did. Mm-hmm. I never lost control over it, but I had that paranoia. And now with this thing, I don't worry about it at all. It's just, uh, and of course, you can get the whole kit for thirteen hundred bucks. So it's it's nice. And what lens does that have on it? What kind of a sensor and lens does that have? It's got a one inch sensor. Okay. Uh, and the lens is wider than the Phantom 4. The Phantom 4 is about a 24 millimeter right. uh, equivalent. This is wider, okay. which is nicer unless you need to zoom in on something. Well, is it rectilinear? Is, does it have a lot of barrel distortion? I, I've no, seen it's, it's fairly flat, actually. Well, yeah. What's the name of that, Pablo? This is the Air 2S. Yeah, it just came out um, not too long ago. So it's, it's a fairly yeah. new product. Can you do 60 frames a second on that? I thought I looked into it and it had a 30 frame per second limit. Yeah, that was it has. I- yeah, to be honest with you, I, I haven't dabbled much with the video. Uh, most of what I do with it is stills. Yeah. And uh, most of the stills I do, uh, I don't, I don't, you know, a lot of people go way up too high. I mean, I just want to go up 30, 40, 50 feet if I have to get that shot that I couldn't get or that I used to use a lift for. Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, what I use it for, and people have said, you know, I see a lot of aerial stuff, but uh, and you know, your aerial photographs are better than most of the ones I've seen. And I don't know if it's because people, you know, just like to fly these things, but they're not really photographers or what. But uh, it's this little thing is great. Let me tell you. Yeah, I I have found that that I do more still work with drone than video work. Mm-hmm. Um, I, a good example is I had a church to shoot, existing church that. <laughs> an architect client put addition on and you know they build churches on hills and so if you're trying to do a land-based shot you're already pointing the camera way up a hill which isn't going to do you any good and just by taking that drone up and just a little bit above the roof line like you said not like not crazy high um that yeah, i got some some really good stills that you couldn't have gotten even you know with a lift or anything else so i do find them really good for for architectural work they're almost better for stills than they are for video in terms of how they apply to the market. What's yeah. the maximum ap- aperture on that, Pablo? Do you know? It's got a fixed aperture, which initially uh, I didn't want to buy it because of that. You know, I, I, I tried thinking about what was going to happen. It's a 2.8. Okay. But it turns out that because of because of that aperture, with the Phantom 4, I used to shoot everything like a 4 or 5.6. Yeah. Well, with this thing, you can do dusk shots down to like half a second. And they're sharp. There's no motion. I mean, it's almost dark outside, and uh, you're getting these wonderful photos. Hmm. I mean, this is what I mean about this thing being a game changer. It's just uh, you know, it's got a fast lens. It's very sharp. And your date shots are not they're not soft with the two eight. Not at all. Wow. Not a single bit. Yeah, this is this is quite amazing. Wow. Um, I, I'm using the Phantom Four Two Pro. Um, is that what most everybody else is using? Or? I've got a Phantom 4 Pro, yeah. Yeah, Pro. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm on my fourth one uh, now. Um, and um, not due to anything I did, 
<laughs> they just said, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> DJI was just nice enough to say, yeah, that's a problem. We'll send you another one. So, um, but I, I found that, I mean, I use, I use the aperture and shutter speed variability a lot because most of what I'm shooting are stills. I do shoot some 60 frame per second video for several clients, but um, I've done some sharpness tests with my particular lens and it does vary a little bit between cameras. Um, but there, there is a sweet spot at about five, six on that drone. Um, where it is the maximum sharpness and, and i've i've done that using an actual you know test target <laughs> so that you can see the sharpness and and count the lines and all that kind of stuff it wasn't just any kind of arbitrary assessment um and so that you know to me the fixed aperture was a concern on this this new one i i would love to have that size because there's no hiding the phantom once you get it up in the air um everybody knows it's there and it's noisy. It draws attention. And even if you put the stealth propellers on or whatever, the, it, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't well, quite have done that much. The other thing about the Phantom is it's a separate backpack. You know, yeah. The, and the I, thing. yeah, I, I put mine, I have a hard case for mine, a, a kind of a Pelican case that, um, so I can leave the rotors attached and carry multiple batteries and all kinds of other things, chargers and, and, uh, and things like that. So it's a checked bag uh, for me when I travel. It's that big. Um, it's not something I can just slip in my carry-on. <laughs> Would that it were, but um, yeah. well, I'll give you an example. So I had a job at the mall and it involved walking around these malls, you know, I mean, all over the place. And I'd get to a point where I'd want to have a, an aerial and just pull this thing out, just open it up, Take this thing off, uh, put my phone on the controller, and I'm up in two minutes. Not a problem. Did you fly that indoors? I mean, okay. No, not at all. No, this is all outdoors. Uh, I've never flown a drone indoors. Do that. <laughs> I'll do interiors and doing a um, um, oh, so stupid virtual tours. I hate virtual tours. Uh, they'll actually do a, they'll fly their drone inside. They got little small ones. I don't know what they are, but they, they're surprisingly good, especially if they've, if they've got aperture, you know, uh, or shutter priority on it. it. It's actually pretty good. I was, yeah, no, I've never done this. That's why I got into drones. You can't, it's too big and noisy. It scares them to death. <laughs> but the small one like that, I, I could see that going indoors. I mean, I, I could see that. That's like, well, I got into it because being in the DC market and not being able to fly outside, I, I wanted to do it as an add-on to my architectural photography, my still business, to say, hey, you know, we're here, we're cleaning the place up, we're setting it up, let's do fly-throughs. And what I run into is the geofencing because, uh, you know, it's perfectly legal to fly indoors anywhere. The FAA does not control indoor airspace. No. And, I, and I have that in, I mean, I have that actually from them in writing, even though it's common knowledge. Just to make sure, I got that from the FAA in writing. And, uh, but with the geofencing, so you can get an, un it doesn't know if you're inside or not. And so you can get an unlocking code from DJI and say, you know, here's what I'm doing. I'm, you know, I'm in downtown in DC. I'm flying inside an office building. They'll send you an unlocking code. The problem is that the drone has to see a minimum of five satellites for that unlocking code to work. Right. So 
you you know you go over by a window, you load the unlocking code. If the drone says, okay, fine, we can fly here, you get away from the window and it drops below five satellites and it drops out the locking code. It's not like you can just load it and then it sees it for that flight. It has to continuously see it. So, you know, the whole unlocking code idea is really a bunch of crap. Uh, so I I would like to find a drone that's got, you know, high quality camera that doesn't have a lot of barrel distortion, but preferably a smaller that will fly without geofencing because you know, this Phantom 4 Pro that I've got is a really nice drone, but it won't do what I want it to do. And I've been, I've had too many emails back and forth with DJI and it's, it's a dead end with them. And did you realize that you can't even launch that if you're in four miles of an airport? Yeah. 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 I, I didn't, I didn't know that. I was sure. Yeah, no, the, the geo by Midway Airport just two weeks ago. And um, I had to, I had to have a guy bring a lift to, to get my, uh, my, you know, my 80 foot shot for the hotel. Yeah. I didn't realize you couldn't even, it won't even launch. Yeah. So the geofencing, I mean, what what pisses me off about the geofencing is it's there to protect idiots. <laughs> you know, for those of us who are licensed pilots who know what we're doing, who know what the rules are and are willing to follow the rules, that's fine. But the geofencing is just like crazy restrictive. Um, and, you know, my example of, of wanting to fly interiors is a good one. So um, if anyone does have a recommendation of a drone that sort of fits that bill, that's not going to have a lot of barrel distortion on interiors, and that does not have geofencing, I'd love to hear about it. I'm wondering if Autel's drones uh, might be a consideration for that. I don't know if you've looked at those or not. I have. I And I, I can't remember. It's like every time I look at a new drone, it's like, yes, yes, yes. Oh, crap. Yeah, that won't work for me. <laughs> and then you look at another one, and you know it's it's good in four things, but not right in the fifth yeah. thing. I I just haven't found that that one that fits the bill for everything I need. Have you guys had any issues with insurance? Well, Verify or what are you using? Uh, I just wanted to bring this up because it seemed like insurance is always a, a an issue, and there are companies that offer it, but it's expensive. And I called my my agent who does my business insurance at State Farm. They just added it as a rider for 50 bucks. Yeah, my agent said if you want to fly outside, they would add it as a rider. If you want to fly inside, they have to write a whole new policy. Huh. Uh, so I looked into Verify that will uh, will insure interior. Now, I'm not sure if they'll insure interior in the sealed airspace because I never I never got far enough along with them. But that, what I've kind of heard is that if you're not going to fly very often, Verify is probably more affordable so. but if you're going to fly a lot just add it to your policy yeah we but, just have it added to our policy I, I don't even know what it costs yeah, yeah some of the some of the carriers are quite expensive um all states one of them and that i i looked into and it was like triple of what my normal business policy is uh wow. to get that rider on there and so verify and, and there's a couple others that will you know do the per flight uh, insurance for you and to me that was an easy way to take care of that so um especially yeah, if you're in a situation. Had an, an inland marine rider and it wasn't much money at all and covered for liability and if a drone takes a splash they'll replace it and it's like oh okay great hmm. one less thing to worry about with this thing yeah well uh, what about repairs i so i crashed my Phantom 4 Pro on the firing range of the Fairfax County Police Department, which <laughs> required a bit of negotiating and explaining to get it back. Uh, 
And it sat out, so it sat out in the rain because I couldn't get in there for a while. And uh, anyway, I ended up, I sent to DJI for repairs and they wanted almost as much to fix it as a new drone would cost. Yeah. And, uh, and so I didn't fix it. And I'm, so I'm at the point now where I don't actually have a working drone. I just looked the other day online at, to see who else repairs drones. And there are a couple of places that are like, you know, flat 150 bucks plus parts. I don't know. Has anybody had an experience with non DJI repairing a DJI drone? Now, the only thing I've had going wrong with mine is just changing the blades. I mean, they, you know, they're not very robust, the ones that come with the unit. Mm-hmm. I forgot um, Patrick, one of the guys that worked for us, he found some online that we're, we've had now for probably 18 months with no problems. I have to look at, I don't know what kind they are, but they're aftermarket. Yeah, I, I, I use the air screw rotors, um, air screw rotors, and those are, are really nice. Um, I've only ever sent to DJI, but I also bought their their replacement repair policy thing. Right. And so um, I've had some catastrophic failures with mine where it's just dropped out of the sky. And uh-huh. uh, luckily it hasn't hit anybody or caused any damage other than to the drone. So I just, you know, boxed up all the parts and they send me another one. Um, but it would sure be nice to know if there was somebody that was out there that was doing repairs because I know the components are not expensive. You can buy a lot of the components on Amazon, mm-hmm. repair components. So, um, I don't know. I I'll have to look into that. Um, who do you compete with as far as as your drone photography? Or are you seeing competition from, say, part timers, weekenders, uh, real estate guys, that kind of stuff? Um, okay. Does that affect anybody besides me? <laughs> uh, no, I, I think I, I, that's a good point. I think it affects a, a lot of people. The um, the real estate photographer. Uh, I'm always up. You know, I just I was on the phone with, yesterday with a an architect that wants us to do <clears throat> condos in in Chicago, and she got a she, she got a, a a quote from a real estate photographer. But anyway, it's that's always a problem, and especially now that they they always do do drone work. Oh yeah, and. Um, and they offer, you know, they offer video and I, I can't work at those rates. I mean, I, it was like, um, I mean, she, they were quoting like $26, uh, you know, for a still. I, I can't do that. You know, I, I'm sure it's not processed or anything, but yeah, yeah I'm not going to go out and fly a drone for $26 still. My concern about that market too is that I'm not convinced that very many of them are actually certified. Uh I don't think you have to, you don't have to be unless it's um well no I take that back if it's for commercial use you absolutely yeah don't. if they're if they're selling the product no I don't think for interior though you know if it's exteriors yeah but for interior since as I said earlier FAA doesn't control interior airspace I don't think this is just my <laughs> own opinion that even if it's for commercial I don't think you have to be licensed because you're flying in airspace that's uncontrolled by the government I think you're probably right on that Chris um, but, also, they're going to want an exterior, you know, so and you'd have to be certified for that. So, yeah, they might argue the, the you know, um, you know, if they were to get caught, I think they would they would just simply argue that they're under X amount of feet and it was for personal use. And in that case, you don't have to be licensed. Yeah, because um, I think most of them, I agree, Alan, I don't think they're licensed. I don't think they have insurance. Real um, estate agents, they don't care whether you're licensed or not. Yeah. You know, <laughs> I've had issues with a couple of guys. I mean, they want me to go out 400 feet and 
they always want to get the property with a with an ocean in the background, even if it's five miles out. And it's like, well, I can't do that. And uh, had to photograph a property, and they wanted one of these wide shots. And I I saw a little park not too far away from it. And I figured I could get a good shot from there. And there was a small regional airport not too far away, but the drone went up no problem. I figured this place must be closed. I put my Phantom Four up about 200 feet. All of a sudden, a little Cessna flew under my drone. Wow. I mean, it was so quiet. Just freaked me out. I still have PTSD from that. <laughs> so it just wow. works wise, man. You really got to have situational awareness about stuff like that. Yeah. Like getting hit by that train you thought you'd hear, but you don't. Yeah. Um, are any of you using the, the top-end strobes for dusk? Um, I know that's a requirement now with the FAA. Um, no, that gives me a little bit more peace of mind when I'm I, from from. Um, I think it's up to thirty minutes after sunset is your maximum anyway. Right, but the, you're supposed to have a white strobe on the top of your drone for, as a warning for other aircraft. <laughs> so um, I've got one of those. Amazon sells them and. Um, at least that gives me a little bit of peace of mind that some somebody's, you know, coming in on approach, and uh, if I'm in the pattern somewhere, that, that at least they see me, and uh, might try to avoid that. That's I'd hate to be the guy in the plane that takes a, a phantom in the propeller. So, Alan, can you uh, send a note about what kind of strobe you're using? I, I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, in fact, uh, let me just show you. Um, I think I've got it right here, actually. Hey, did that Pelican case, did you buy that specifically for that? Or is that custom made for that? Um, they have them on Amazon. I don't even see that there. Yeah, I can see so, that. I like that. Yeah, they sell those on Amazon. Um, I don't remember the brand, but I've got my, you know, I've got my drone and the controller and four batteries and charger and everything else. Did, did you else. have to cut the foam out for that or was it? No, it was all pre-cut. Wow, I like that. It's just made for the Phantom uh, Four. Oh, no kidding! I'm going to look at that. So this this is the little strobe that goes on the top, and it's got Velcro on the back, and so um, it just attaches to this spot of Velcro on the top of my drone here. And um, oops, I just turned it on, and now I'm blinded. <laughs> but yeah, it's pretty bright. It's bright. Um. But it is nice to have uh, that capability to just tell people what's going on. So that's that that's not powered from the drone battery, right? That's no, it's not. It's got an internal battery. It's like a little watch battery or something like that. Okay. Yeah. Um, is that made specifically for drones? It is. Yeah. Um, I can post a link on on the Facebook page or or with this video that shows what that is. Um, and then, um, you know, this is one other thing. I don't know if anybody's using these signal boosters. No. They slip over the antenna on your controller. Uh, for me, this has just been a way to, um, you know, get a little bit better um, signal and continuity, especially if I'm in a downtown airspace. And so they just slip over and amplify the signal for the... Uh, antenna 
And so you just want to slip that on and then, um, you know, that kind of thing. And these are really cheap, but uh, okay. that's, you know, that's another thing I found, especially in a downtown uh, metro area where you've got large buildings and uh, you may or may not be able to keep your signal strength up. That's a really good option. And then um, I use a multi-charger. Uh, it's an aftermarket that lets me charge four batteries and the controller all at once. Um, which That's a good idea. That really helps, especially if you're traveling and, you know, you get to the hotel room and you've burned up four batteries that day and you've got to go out the next morning or something. Um, so that's a really nice option on that. I really okay. wish that there was something on the horizon um, from one of these makers that really addressed our market. I, I know we're not a very big market, but, you know, without buying... Uh, um, an enterprise solution drone and, you know, with a real expensive camera and, or, you know, putting um, a DSLR on a, on a drone. Uh, there's just not a lot in, in that gap for architectural photographers. So. Yeah. Um, I still know a couple of photographers that, that do the uh, helicopter or they'll put a gimbal on a Cessna or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and those, I, I tell you that the results they get from those, it, it just, it, you know, I haven't seen a drone touch that type of work. Mm -hmm. it, you know, you can't beat it. The, the file size is so large. You get, to, you know, of course you're using your architectural lenses. It's amazing. Um, one thing I've just, I've been doing this, this past few months is um, on the DJI system to use the panorama mode. I don't know if any of you are using that, but if you if you do the horizontal panorama mode and push in just a little closer, then you get a nine image panorama that you can then stitch. Um, and I use um, a, a third party software to stitch that and correct the perspective. It does it automatically. It's it's amazing. But then you get a, a really nice big file. Um, and it just it's a little more time consuming to do it that way and um the stitching is good alan i mean it's stitching is really good yeah um the uh the software i use is is pt gui pro it's pt gui pro and then um it has a whole bunch of different projections that you can choose from to put the panorama together depending on what camera and how you've done the shot or, you know, whether it's conical or spherical or, you know, whatever. Um, and they have one called 90 degree cube face. And that's the one that takes that DJI horizontal panorama and corrects it. And it looks, it, it looks as if I've had, you know, my um, 5DSR up there shooting the, uh, just a single shot. Uh, it's it's really that good. Wow. Um, it's it's just a nice. Um, and I just did some experimenting to find out that you could do something like that, and it's really made a big difference for me anyway to get those hero shots because I had a I had a skyscraper in in downtown Denver that I needed to shoot, and I just could not figure out a good way to get the shot. I couldn't get permission from adjacent buildings, and it went back and forth. Uh, for a long time. And then finally 
I, I just decided that I was going to come up with a solution on my own. And that's where I ended up. And I was really pretty amazed at the results coming out of that. And then I, I use a few other things on post-processing to um, enhance what DJI's file looks like. I don't know who else, is anybody else using any post-processing software to kind of clean things up or sharpen uh, things? Yes. Um, I'm using the Topaz software. Um, um, there's the Topaz Sharpen AI. And then the, uh, um, what's it called? The Denoise AI. They come in a software bundle. You can, and I think, I think I might have a, I think they might have issued a, a discount code for AIAP that I can post that as well um, if you're interested. <coughs> but the difference between what you get from out of Photoshop um, from one of those DJI files after you've corrected it and fixed it and everything uh, between that and what you can get pushing it through the Topaz software is just night and day as far as sharpness and noise. And yeah, it's really I, pretty amazing. I, I sometimes use um, Aurora where I'll use uh, easy yeah. HDR. And I, I like the, uh, I actually like the easy HDR. Um, yeah. it's, it's really flexible. It um, that's my favorite. If you're doing HDR, that's my favorite HDR work. It yeah, is. I use Aurora all the time. Yeah, uh, Aurora's good too. For my stills. Um and yeah. it, Aurora does a nice job. It's got a lot of a lot of control. You kind of have to pull the reins back on it. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. And it doesn't really have good image, I mean uh, lens correction. That's the one beauty about easy HDR is you can load any lens profile you want into it. And so oh, I'll use that just for correction, lens correction. See? It's, hmm. it's even better than using Photoshop. Yeah. And um, it, is that a that's a third party software? Yeah, uh, plug, does it does it work as a plugin or a filter for Photoshop? You can, you can do it as a plugin. I I don't like using plugins in Photoshop. Yeah. I, I use it as a standalone. But, okay, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, I like is it better it, than Photomatics. People are big Photomatics plans, fans, but yeah, the, the HDR makes the it really um, <coughs> keeps the image up nice, and the image still looks like photography. Sometimes the Photomatics make it look like a rendering. And yeah, I, I always had trouble with Photomatics. Um, that's, that's pretty popular. A lot of guys like it. But Yeah, I, I never could get something that looked right with that. And then Aurora, to me, um, I like it a lot, but I have to just pull way back on, yeah. on saturation and contrast and vibrance and to make yeah. it look like a real picture. And so <laughs> I'd be interested to, to try the Easy HDR. The easy HDR. Um, uh, Bartik is the, is the engineer. Um, and if you had a problem or anything, the guy will email you. I mean, he's, he's, I've been using it for years. He's phenomenal. Um, I recommend it. It's inexpensive. It's phenomenal software. Hmm. I mean, That's part of Aurora or are you talking about two different things? No, it's easy. HDR is its own standalone product. It's okay. Google. It's, it's amazing. Um, I, I does like it allow you to batch? I'm sorry. Does it allow you to batch process? Oh yeah. You can, you can batch process. Okay. Yeah. All right. That was the one thing about Aurora that I, I liked. Yeah, uh, me too. Yeah. Was you know I could I could dump it into Aurora and let it run overnight because I'll shoot sometimes I'll shoot as many as twelve brackets on an image um, to try to blend together and I, I liked the blending algorithm that it had but it 
I just they they had pumped up the color and contrast so much on and saturation. Yeah. And they have a they sometimes have a little difficulty with alignment with Aurora. I've noticed. Uh, yeah. Easy yeah. does not. I mm. mean, its automatic alignment is dead on. So, um, and I, and I like the fact that you can load uh, all these lens profiles into it. So, you know, that's that's important to me. Um, I can't stand when something doesn't look right, but I well, like that. You guys should try that. That's really good software. I'm. Easy. It's interesting to know that you can actually get feedback from the developer. <laughs> yeah, you can. I mean, the developer. He's a small company. He's the, he wrote it. He develops it. He's a photographer. And um, and uh, I, I've, I've talked to him on the phone, um, but he'll email you. I mean, he's just hmm. amazing. That's yeah. good to know because I've been on I've I've been back and forth with Aurora for a couple of years now trying to get them to fix things. <laughs> no, you can send them an email. And you're like, where's that thing up at? I mean, they they answer me, but they won't eventually. <laughs> yeah, they just. Oh, yeah, won't. How, do, how is that spell? Is it E Z or E Z? Um, here, let me just pull it up. E A E Z H D R three is the okay. is the software. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's see if I can get a. Uh, cancel. Yeah. Easy HDR three and the version I'm running, I'm running the latest version. Um, but yeah, it, it's for interior work. Exterior, it's, it's phenomenal software. Nice. I don't use any of their pre their, their, their default is pretty good. And I, I go from there. I don't use any of their presets because they look, you know, <laughs> they look photography, but, yeah, <laughs> uh, but, uh, but you can, um, you know what I normally do? With my workflow is I'll make a, uh, you know, you can you can turn the a contrast settings off, and then I'll make that my B file, and then I'll make an A file, and in Photoshop, I'll, I'll put them together, and hmm. I'll take some of A and some of B, you know, just erase what I like and what I don't like. But, oh, uh, interesting. But it's it's really it's really nice software, easy to use. Good to know. Um... Any anything out there on the horizon that would make you change from the platform that you're using now to uh, another drone platform? Anything that you're considering? I'm just curious. I'm really going to look into what Pablo has because it's so small. <laughs> I'll check this out. I mean, I I was uh, I was really skeptical. I mean, my Phantom does okay, and I've never had an issue with it. But uh, my big problem is I didn't want to carry that thing around. I mean, I want to be able to pull thin, pull this drone out of my case when I want it, put it back, and you know, continue on my merry way for some of the some of the assignments I've had. And I couldn't do that with the other one. It, it was like I had to set my camera down and go back to my car and pull out my drone, and you know, it was just a waste of time. The process, yeah. So try it out. I mean, for you get the basic thing for nine hundred bucks or the whole kit for thirteen hundred. It's well worth it. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'll be impressed with this thing, believe me. Yeah, that 2.8 is a little scary. I mean, but if it's sharp, you know, if it's a good one. No, 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 this thing's sharp as a tack. Wow. It's, I'm telling you. Well, you know, back, I, I think back about shooting out of a helicopter, though, and I used to, I used to shoot with a Hasselblad primarily and a 50 millimeter lens. And I shot that usually at 5.6, um, which is not a lot different than what Bob was talking about, you know, and focused at infinity. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's a wide lens and a two eight. I mean, uh, obviously the depth of field is, uh, I mean, you're, you're pretty far away from your subject. I haven't had any issues with, with sharpness with this thing. 
Not, not at all. And it's got, it, it does have its uh, automatic uh, focusing, but it's just never been an issue. Mm. Yeah. So, so you probably just set the lens out to infinity and let it go. Uh, pretty much. Yeah. I mean, I'll say one thing about this, that at first I, I was, uh, there's a feature on it where it's supposed to do a series of shots and do this HDR thing. And, and that's supposed to get you the best quality. I tried that. Uh, I didn't like it. It ended up being too noisy. Uh, some of the, sh basically what it'll do, it'll, on some of these, it'll, uh, it'll hike the ASA way up. And, uh, so basically all I've been doing, like on the dusk shots is I'll set it no higher than two or 400 ASA. And sometimes you can get, you can get away with less than that and just go for that half second, third second exposure. And unless it's windy or something, you're going to get a sharp image. Wow. And uh, the dynamic range is is damn good. I mean, I, it's just, uh, it, it surprised me. I've done a lot of really nice shots of dusk with this thing that I wouldn't have been able to do with a Phantom. Does it have a bulb setting? A bulb setting? Yeah, basically where you can control the, the uh, exposure length yourself. Uh, it's got a little slider, so you... you you click on the shutter speed and the slider comes up and, you know, you can go, you can just pick your speeds. Mm. Okay. So, does, uh, does it do hyperlapse on that? I'm curious. It does do hyperlapse. I haven't used that. Okay. Yeah, it's got, it's got several automated features, you know, follow you around. It'll do all kinds of crazy things, but I haven't used any of those. I'm just saying the quality of the still images mm -hmm. is, uh, was surprisingly good. I'm really happy with it. Yeah, I'm going to look at that. Um, let me just ask before we we're getting close to wrapping up here. But are are you using HDR for your stills on your on your drone shots? I mean, are you, are you doing multiple shots like on the auto exposure bracketing mode? Is that something any of you are doing? Or are you I do. I use the three bracket just to get the right exposure. Okay. Because uh, you know sometimes I'll take the the dark one, sometimes I'll take the light one, depending on the conditions. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 um, I don't use the auto brackets, but I will bracket, and sometimes I, you know, I'll bracket up to ten sometimes because I, I've, and and I put them together. Yeah. Okay. I either do a stack in easy HDR, or I'll do a true HDR, and, and I like that. So. Okay. Yeah, I've done that with this also. It works pretty well. Yeah. It's stable enough. Yeah, I I found that the onboard um, auto exposure bracketing was not terribly useful for. The DJI, um, and so I ended up doing it manually. And you know, like you're saying, Norman, I I may do a ton <laughs> in order to get things I'd right. Have too many them, not enough. Especially if it's at dusk. Um, well, that's interesting. I I wish that uh, somebody from DJI would watch this after we get this posted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll send it to DJ and Autel and and whoever else, but. Um, yeah. I mean, my wish would be for something the size of what Pablo's talking about that was 50 megapixels and um, and had variable aperture and, and you know, full manual kind of situation. But uh, well, honestly, I, I think the way this is going to go uh, pretty soon, it's going to go AI because uh, I'm sure some of you have, you know, some of the latest yeah. phones like this. Mm -hmm. And the, the AI is just amazing. And if you put something like AI together with a halfway decent sized sensor, it's going to be incredible. 
Well, I hope things improve because I, I've been using the same technology for several years now and nothing's changed. <laughs> they're, they're, they're sending out a lot of consumer stuff, but nothing our way. Um, anything else we, we need to cover before we sign off and enjoy a Labor Day weekend? I appreciate all of you being here. Um, I hope you're all having a great, you know, end of summer and beginning of fall and uh, in talking to most of the people that I've uh, had contact with in the AIAP over the last few weeks, everybody seems to be having a pretty good year. So I hope that continues. Um, you know, Will Crockett, you, some of you know Will, but he used to say, if you're not shooting, you need to be marketing. And I've always taken that to heart. <laughs> so uh, good, good advice, no matter what the time. Uh, gentlemen, thanks for joining us. Um, I will post this soon on the, the channel, and I appreciate your contributions. This has been very informative, and uh, I appreciate uh, all the information you've been so willing to share. And have a good weekend. Good seeing you guys. See you soon. Good seeing everybody. Thanks, Al. Thanks. Uh -huh. Bye. This has been another episode of A Photographer's Life. If you've enjoyed this program, Please let us know by liking this episode and subscribing to this channel. A Photographer's Life is brought to you by the Association of Independent Architectural Photographers. This episode is copyrighted, and may not be used in full or in part, without the written permission of the AIAP. Please join us again soon for another inside look at the world of professional architectural photography.